Good morning, Golden Corner. Ready? Set? Don't go. Not yet. However, we're getting ready to go. Golden Corner Church is about to make a significant move. And I'm not talking about moving back across town to our building. Golden Corner Church is about to go from being a really good church to being the best church it can possibly be. To do this, everyone who considers Golden Corner Church home is going to have to do his or her part. That's just the way it is. Which raises a question we're answering here on Sundays, and that is, what's our part? That's what we're learning in this series of sermons. And in this series, I'm sharing five words that clarify the responsibilities of everyone who makes up Golden Corner Church. These five responsibilities are actually the five basic steps God expects every believer to take. Every believer. Therefore, our part, I want you to think about this. Our part is to simply do the minimum that God requires. That's it. We can do that, can't we? Sure we can. And I really believe this. I believe we're going to. Last week I shared the first word. The first word was follow. We learned that every believer is supposed to follow Christ. That's the first step every believer should take. Once we've accepted Christ, we are to submit to Him as our Lord, learn from Him as our teacher, and follow Him as our guide. So, okay, if that's first, what's next? Our word today is connect. Every Christ follower is supposed to connect with other Christ followers. Hey, Ronnie, what does that mean? Let me share two facts with you, okay? Fact number one, to keep growing, we must keep going. You got it? Okay, good, good. When we follow Christ, some wonderful things happen along the way. Our relationship with Him grows grows deeper, stronger, and more personal, more meaningful. When we follow Christ, we grow. We grow into Christ-likeness. And as long as we follow, we grow. Therefore, over the course of our life, our relationship with Christ should be constantly improving and we should be constantly involving into a person of stronger character, more Christ-like character. But what if we stop? What if we just stop following? Stop following 
and we stop growing. Stop growing and we start retreating. In this journey called Christianity, we're either going forward or backward. If we stop following Christ, our relationship with Him will grow cold and stale. Stop following, and the old sinful human nature will slowly take back over. So to keep growing, we got to keep going. Has everybody got that fact? You ready for the second fact? Second fact. Everybody needs somebody to help them keep going. Everybody. Now, I know some of you guys, I know what some of you men just thought. Not me, preacher. Some of these ladies might need that. Some of you wimpy pastors might need I don't need anybody. Yeah, you do. You know, in the Bible, we read about this guy named the Apostle Paul. No human being ever accomplished as much with their life as he did. He was influential right up until his death and even beyond death. He continues to have great influence. In other words, the Apostle Paul was able to keep going. He even said, one of his famous quotes is, I have finished the race, I have remained faithful. And you know, Paul was able to keep going in spite of great adversity. Did you know in the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians 12, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, I, in my lifetime, I faced every kind of trouble and calamity. Can, do you believe, can you think of that? Just kind of try to comprehend that. Every kind of trouble, every kind of problem, every possible calamity, the Apostle Paul said, I faced all that. What was the secret to Paul's lifelong faithfulness? At critical junctures in his journey, Paul had someone step into his life and help him keep going. Paul did. You remember some? The first guy was a guy named Ananias. You remember the story in the book of Acts? You know, the Apostle Paul had been converted and he really doesn't know what to do next. And this guy named Ananias showed up and, and told him what to do. Then the next guy was a fellow named Barnabas. And then there was a guy named Silas. You remember him? And, and you know, and when you go back and you start reading the books of the New Testament Paul wrote, usually in his introductions and his closings, he's always thanking these special people, um, men like Epaphroditus and Tychicus and Onesiphorus. And then, of course, in his latter years, who was it? It was this guy named Timothy. Everybody needs somebody to help them keep going. If Paul did, we will. Right, I got I to gotta give you notice about something. You ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of play the role of the prophet, and I'm going to predict your future and mine. At some point in life, something is going to hit us so hard it takes away our will to continue. A life hit. It may be a divorce. 
It could be a failed business. The death of a child. Or a disease that slowly steals the quality of our life. Somewhere down the path of God's leading awaits an enemy so fierce, a battle so daunting, a problem so complicated, a challenge so great, a failure so embarrassing, or a disappointment so painful that giving up will appear to be our best option. At some point in this process of following Christ, every one of us is going to come to a place where what we want, what we really want, is just to give up and stop following Christ. When that happens, what does it take to keep going? Hopefully, Christ followers who know us and therefore know what we're facing, will rally around us and help us keep going. If not, I'll tell you what, if not, it is likely that we'll give up. Somewhere along the way, it is likely, without somebody's help, we will give up. You see, everybody will eventually need somebody to help them keep going. I want you to listen, nobody ever makes it alone. Nobody. We're going to need somebody. And somebody is going to need us. Okay, you got the two facts. And a lot of those two facts, what should we do? Connect. That's our word for today. Everybody's going to need somebody to help them keep going. Therefore, we should connect with other Christ followers. Ronnie, what do you mean by that? We should build and maintain interdependent relationships with other Christ followers. I'm going to say that again, okay? Every believer should build and maintain interdependent relationships with other Christ followers. Okay, that should have raised a question in your mind. Perhaps you're asking, what is an interdependent relationship? An interdependent relationship is a give-and-take relationship. If you and I are in an interdependent relationship, it means that I have recognized that I need you, and you have recognized You need me. It means I'm counting on you. But you're also counting on me. For that reason, I help you. And you help me. I pray for you and you pray for me. I encourage you and you encourage me. I'll help you keep going. You're going to help me keep going. To be in, in an interdependent relationship means that we're sharing the journey. We're sharing life. Run it as a Bible support what you're saying. Absolutely. 
As a matter of fact, I want us to look at four verses in the New Testament. And the first two are found in Romans chapter 12, verse 3 and verse 4. Romans 12, 3, verse 4. Are you ready for some theology? Not, not hodgeology, but theology. If so, I want you to read these verses with me. Now, these verses are written by the Apostle Paul to a church, just like us. And this is what he said. Verse number 4. I'm sure it's in this Bible. Okay, here we go. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, speaking of the church. Verse 5. So, so, uh, excuse me. We are many parts of one body. And I want you to see this last statement. And we all belong to each other. Do you see that? That's in the Word of God. You know what that phrase means? It means we all need each other. That's what it means. Next verse is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. We're going to read these and we'll kind of, kind of compress them together and, and see what the theological truths are in these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Did you know this? Paul, once again, is writing to a church just like us, and this is what he said. He said, a spiritual gift or ability is given to a select few members of the church. Uh, see, that's the current Baptist translation. That, that, that's our cultural belief. What does the Bible actually say? It said a spiritual gift is given to each of us. At the moment you were saved, God divinely gave you an ability you didn't have previously. And why would he do that? Look at this. To thrill us, to get us in the eye of the rest of the group, to get us on the platform, to draw attention to our... Why did he do that? So we can help each other. One more verse. We read it last week. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16. And once again, Paul's writing this. Can you guess who he's writing it to? To a church just like us. Look what he says. He said, he, speaking of Jesus, makes the whole body fit together or the church fit together perfectly as each part or church member does its own special work. What happens? It helps the other parts or other members grow so that the whole body or the whole church is healthy and growing and full of love. Okay, what do we learn, Ronnie? Here we go. You ready? The church is like the human body. It's one body made up of many parts or many people. Just as each part of the human body has its own function, every member of the church has its own special function or role. As each part of the human body needs the other parts of the body, each member of the church needs the other members of the church. When we were saved, God gave each of us a spiritual gift or ability that enables us to perform our role in the church. In other words, when God saved you, he already had in mind what he wanted you to do in the church, so he gave you the ability to do all he asked you to do. The gift was given to us so that we could help others, and 
And others were given their gifts so that they could help us. And then as each member of the church uses their gift, what happens? People in the church grow spiritually, and the church grows numerically through effective outreach. Now I want you to think about this. In order for one part of the body to benefit from other parts of the body, there must be a connection. Am I right? Listen to me, guys. Severed heads only continue to live in episodes of The Walking Dead. Once again, sermon inspiration came from The Walking Dead. In real life, a connection with the body is absolutely necessary. In order for one member of a church to receive maximum benefit from another member of the church, there must be a connection. That's why I firmly believe that the most effective ministry always happens in the context of a meaningful, healthy relationship. After all, I'm going to ask you something. How can you help someone keep going if you really don't even know them? You know who they are. You know, I, I guess it could happen. I wouldn't think that would be very likely. If we don't know someone, how do we know when they've taken a major life hit? How do we know? If we don't know them, how do we know what's going on in their world? I mean, if somebody's on the verge of giving up, how would we know that? If we don't know them. As far as that goes, if no one knows us, and if no one knows what we're facing, who's coming to our aid when we're about to give up? Folks, as pastors, Mark, in our ministries, how many times have we seen this happen? Somebody in the church is going through a real crisis. They're on the... Their, 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 their faith has been shaken by something that has happened. But, you know, by their choice, they have chosen to be anonymous. They don't want anybody to know them. And therefore, because nobody knew them, nobody knew what they were facing, they didn't know how vulnerable they were, so nobody was able to react. And guess what? person comes up missing. Weeks, months go by. You finally realize so-and-so is... No, what happened to so-and-so? You give them a call, and you know what they say? They're deeply offended because nobody came to their aid when they were in such a crisis. And you go, I had no idea. You know what? At that point, it really doesn't matter. They lost. We lost. If members of a church are going to really help each other, there must be a connection, and I'm talking about a relational connection. We've got to let somebody into our life. And somebody's got to let us into theirs. So practically speaking, how does that happen? Now, sometimes it just happens, really. I mean, we just meet another Christ follower. There's some kind of instant connection. And the next thing you know, over time, an interdependent relationship has formed. However, don't you listen carefully to me. 
I want you to understand the context in which I'm saying this stuff. If you really intend to follow Christ, if you're going to stay on the course of His leading for your life, there will be events ahead of you that you will not make it through unless somebody else is close enough to you to help you get through it. That is the gospel truth. Please believe me when I tell you that. Now, some of you have been on this road for a long time, and you're nodding your heads and you're thinking, Amen, I know because I remember that time. And I remember those people that rallied around me telling you, if you haven't been there, you're going to be. And I don't mean that as gloom and doom. You know what I want? I want you to follow Christ throughout the course of your life. That's what I want. If you're going to do that, you're going to need somebody. If we look carefully at the biblical description of the original church, we realize they didn't just leave these relational connections to chance. They structured their church in such a way that meaningful relationships were likely to develop. In the New Testament book of Acts, chapter number 2, we learn that the, first, that the members of the first church devoted themselves to, to four things. The Bible, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Prayer, outreach, and this thing called fellowship. That's the word used in the Bible. They were as devoted to fellowship as they were the Bible... You see, they were devoted to fellowship as much as they were prayer. You know what fellowship is? I know, you know, you say, well, you know, the church I used to in had a fellowship building. You remember those? And we'd go to the fellowship building for potluck suppers. Man, that's fellowship. Well, kind of. You know what the word actually means? It means interdependent relationships. In the beginning the church that preceded us, the church that never had an opportunity for man to tamper with it and mess it up. They were as devoted to interdependent relational living as they were the Bible. Every day. And in these meetings, there were literally thousands of people who would gather at one time. You know what they did? In addition to this large meeting at the temple, the first Christians also started meeting in each other's homes. Therefore, they had to break that large group down into much smaller groups. These small groups had to make it easier for people to get to know someone and hopefully make that relational connection. In, in my opinion, those groups were tools that just made it easier for people to connect with other people people, cross followers to connect with other cross followers. At Golden Corner Church, we're trying to pattern our church after them. That's why in addition to these Sunday morning services, we have small groups that meet. Each week in homes throughout this community, small groups called life groups, consisting of 6 to 14 people, come together to learn the Bible, pray, eat, Laugh and love. In these groups, people develop relationships. Connections are made. And these people support one another through care, 
prayer and encouragement. There's something waiting on you down the road. It's going to hit you so hard. You don't want to continue. You're going to want to give up. Perhaps you've already prepared for this by connecting with other Christ followers. You've got your support system in place. Your safety net of people are intact. If not, how are you going to connect with these people? How are you going to connect with the people who are going to help you keep going so that you keep growing? You know how I connected with the people who helped me? I connected with them in a life group. First year that I was a Christian, my church invited in a guest speaker. He was an older pastor, and his name was Charlie Korn. And I remember in one of sermons, Pastor Korn was telling a story about a time in his ministry where he, when he wanted to quit. He said, I, I, you know, I, I wanted to quit the ministry. I wanted to quit, you know, following Jesus. I wanted to quit everything. And guess what I was thinking? Sitting out there, been saved six, eight months, I was sitting there smugly thinking to myself, I wouldn't have told that story. He ought to be ashamed of himself for ever feeling like he wanted to quit. I mean, in light of all Jesus has done for all of us, why in the world would this man ever come to the conclusion he wanted to quit? I've never, this is what I thought, I've never wanted to quit. Some of you have thought that as I have been preaching this morning. Fast forward 18 years. And I'm wrapping up a 10-year ministry as the pastor of a local church. I've resigned, and I'm leaving that pastorate, and I'm coming here to Golden Corner to be your teaching pastor. I don't know if I've ever told you this. I, I may have. If not, I'm telling you now. To be frank with you, I, I didn't want to come here. And it was nothing personal against you. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to go to any church. I didn't want to go to a church and serve on staff. I didn't want to go to a church and be a pastor. I really wasn't sure I wanted to go to a church. You know, during that 10 years, there were some incredible highs, but some very, very uh, deep, dark, low periods. last two years were very difficult and taxing on me. Uh, when I left that church, I was empty emotionally. I was exhausted physically. I was dead spiritually. My experience with that church had disillusioned me about the church. It had disillusioned me about the ministry. And I've got to be honest with you, it had disillusioned me about the whole process of following Christ. I'll tell you what I wanted. I wanted to quit. 
And even when I came to go to the corner and I'm, you know, I'm teaching and I'm ministering, I'm, I'm kind of going through the motions, to be quite frank with you. I long for. I fantasized about just leaving the ministry and taking a public job. I mean, every time the phone would ring, I would think to myself, man, I hope that's somebody calling to offer me a job. That's 17 and a half years ago, and I guess it's pretty obvious that I didn't quit. Now, why didn't I quit? It's what I wanted. I'm telling you, as sincerely, you know, with God as my witness, he, you know, I wanted out of it all. You know why I didn't quit? I was sharing the journey with some people. I was sharing life with some people. They wouldn't let me quit. They knew me. They knew what had happened to me. They knew the way I felt. They knew that I was vulnerable. They knew that I was weak. They rallied. Of course, my wife was one of those people that, that wouldn't let me quit. There were other people. But there are three people that I want to mention this morning. Wouldn't let me quit. Scott and Tammy Hightower and Bill Childs. They loved me. They believed in me. They prayed for me. They encouraged me. They hung out with me. I, you know why? I had an interdependent relationship with them. You know where I built that inter, interdependent relationship? In a life group. That's where it began. And I had been in that group with them for two or three years before my dark days arrived. You want to know something? I am so grateful. I was connected. Before the crisis came, I was connected. If I had not have been, I shudder to think about where I would be right now. There's a storm gathering somewhere on the horizon of your life. And it's going to be more difficult than anything you've ever faced. Do you have those relational connections that are going to get you through that storm? Do you have those friends? Do you have those fellow cross followers? If not, you know what I believe? I believe it's time for you to get connected. 
If you're ready to connect with other Christ followers, a life group is probably the place for you. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying the only way you can develop these kinds of relationships is in a golden corner church-endorsed life group. That's not, that's not the case. But boy, if you don't have these connections and you long for these connections, then it's, it, it, it's, there's a high probability that one of our life groups could really, really help you. Getting in a life group is simple. All you got to do is attend an event we host called Life Link. And at Life Link, we'll walk you through the process of finding your group. You know that right now we're facility challenged. But it's not going to be long. We're going to be moving back into our building. And soon after we, very soon after we move back in, we'll have a life link. And when we do, I want you to come. Now that you're following Christ, it's time for you to take your next step. It's time to connect with other Christ followers. Let's pray together. All I want you to do at this moment is just just kind of survey your life for just a minute. Who's in your world? Close enough to really know you. Close enough to see and be aware anything that happens to you. Who's in your life that you really don't even have to call? They're around you enough and they know you well enough to understand that something's wrong. They know that they have permission to get involved. Who are your helpers? Say, Ron, I don't know if I buy into what you're saying and I'll ever really need anybody to help me. Well, whose life are you a part that would consider? Who is sitting here this morning that would be thinking of you and going, I'll tell you what, if I'm in trouble, I know I can count on her. Or I know I can count on him. Fact is, you're going to need somebody. Don't overlook the fact as well, somebody's going to need you. You and I were created to live in a community of interdependent relationships. I'm encouraging you this morning to pursue those 
by any means. Pursue those. And if we at Golden Corner Church can help you, if you need our help, you understand that's why we do our groups here. And I want you to consider coming to one. You say, Ronnie, what if I come to one and it just doesn't work? Leave it and try another one. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the way you designed us, the way you designed the church. And and the way you help us. And God, most of the time, the way you help us is through another human being. connected with in relationship. So I pray this morning that if it has been our ambition to go it alone, to be the Lone Ranger believer, I pray that if that's the way, we, I pray that we'll back up and completely rethink this. Open up our hearts and our minds. Open up our world. And really, really, really let someone else in. In the name of Jesus, we pray together. Thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for being here. You're dismissed. Have a great week. Whoa.